0: Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who
1: invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash.
0: Hey guys, welcome to episode nine of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. Me and Sam are back on air together doing a catch-up of everything that's happened since episode one and two, and it's, it's been crazy, right?
1: It's been crazy, and it's, it's been a while since we've caught up, so I'm looking forward to discussing what has been happening in your portfolio and, and uh, sharing what's been happening in mine as well. It hasn't always been pretty, I'll tell you that much.
0: Yeah, especially because this is the month where there was the, the was it, Britain exit, um, yeah. BrickSix. So let's see, you know how that's affect uh, affected both of our portfolios. If it's changed our investment strategies, if we're still bullish on all the different platforms that we've uh, been investing in so far, and if we've done anything new.
1: Sounds like a good plan. What, why don't you start? What's uh, what's been new in Johnny FD's portfolio and how the winds been been holding up? Well,
0: even before we kind of get to the the financial parts of it, it's it's been awesome. Just as the podcast has grown. Uh, especially while both me and you have been traveling, so the last time you know when we recorded episodes one and two, we were both in Chiang Mai, Thailand, together
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: in the same room, drinking the same bottle of wine. Now I am in Lisbon, Portugal, and you are
1: Singapore, Singapore.
0: <laughs> I like how Singapore <laughs> is is a city and a country.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> same as Hong Kong, right?
0: Yeah, and what else? So when I was there, I remember you know. Uh, Being there for a few days and then telling someone, saying, oh, you know what? I think I've seen enough of the city now. Let me, I should go check out the rest of the country. And they said, <laughs> that, 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 that this is it, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can throw an ice cube from my window uh, across the entire country and city and in, in, in any direction. So it's quite small. Um, but I love it here. I think two months will be enough. It's a little, I would say, hmm. There's not that much to do, put it that way. But it's very inspiring. You look out the window at these all these modern, modern buildings, and just the place just reeks of wealth. I think it's the richest world place in the world per capita. One in six people are millionaires, and everybody looks like a millionaire. So I'm enjoying my time here. It's been good, a good piece of, good place to have a little contrast compared to the laid back lifestyle of Chiang Mai.
0: And I can also see that giving you, you know, a bit of that um, motivation to, to work extra hard. You know, seeing people in their thousand dollar, you know, ten thousand dollar suits and million dollar sport cars driving around.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, after we spent how much time in Chiang Mai, and every day in Chiang Mai is like retirement. You wake up, you put on pajama pants, you go to fifteen different coffee shops, have a latte, go get a massage. Go to your favorite restaurant at night, have a bottle of wine and then do it all over again seven days in a row. So especially because, yeah, especially
0: because yeah, <laughs> you've only spent about $30 a day.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just that you learn that quickly when you come to Singapore compared to Thailand where everything is a good value. So you're just out of pocket the entire every all parts of the day, right? right? You're just transaction after transaction because everything is good value. You Want to go out and buy things and do things. And in Singapore, that sets you back really quickly. So I'm learning to shop at grocery stores and not get $80 Singapore, hung, Singapore massages each day and eat out. So it's been a, a change of pace for sure. How about Lisbon? How's that been treating you?
0: Well, what's great about Lisbon is it is actually a step up from Chiang Mai in terms of uh, kind of Western comforts. So things like, you know, Uh, You have Uber here and all the Ubers here are brand new cars. You know, they're like really, really nice. So it's it's a big step up from jumping the back of a shared red truck or Uh, tuk-tuk. The restaurants here uh, are amazing. There's, I mean, incredible Michelin star chefs that have restaurants in Lisbon. And it's crazy because, you know, there's some places that have 50 uh, euro dollars a plate meals and you know so they're mm-hmm. their are they're tasting menus 120 euros which is like 130 us so you mm-hmm. can have the luxuries of being in new york or in san francisco or i guess even singapore but what's also nice is in general the cost of living is very low here so you can get an apartment um you know you can get an entire place a, a two-bedroom apartment with a view of the water uh, for maybe 750 a month uh, that's furnished mm-hmm. you know that's just off airbnb so you can have a very nice life um while still being on budget, so to me, it's actually kind of in between Chiang Mai and, you know, a big city like Singapore or San Francisco, where it's you are getting value still.
1: Yeah, and you can't be you can't beat Europe in the summer. That's just something that almost everyone agrees on. So enjoy your time there. I'm y- looking yeah. forward to uh, seeing some more of your photos. I will. So what time is it right now in Singapore? It is almost six o'clock. So I think okay. I'm seven hours ahead of you.
0: Uh, so the evening, I what are you what are you sipping on?
1: I am taking a little bit of time off. I'm sorry to say. I was ah. getting a little overboard on the scotch. There's just <laughs> whiskey all over Singapore. It's the number one drink. And every time I have a friend or someone come in from, from out of town, they pick up a bottle at Duty Free. And that's been taking me late into the evenings and many evenings. So I'm, I'm on officially a two-day day, detox. And we'll see what tomorrow brings.
0: Nice. So you are <laughs> on the water today. I have at a least. Big bottle of water. Yeah, <laughs> good. So it is, uh, about 10 30 almost 11 a.m. here. And I pretty much just woke up that the time people in Lisbon, they, they sleep late. You know, sometimes I'll have dinner at 10, 11, even midnight and they'll wake up late. So this is kind of the, the start of the day. So I'm having a cafe Americano, uh, which here they actually call something called a bica. Uh, it's, which is the Portuguese way of saying, give me an espresso with a bit of sugar on the side. Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this is going to be very different from episodes one and two when me and you were plastered drinking, drinking whiskey and wine. Uh, but actually to be fair, uh, last night, uh, I, I bought a bottle of Portuguese wine from the grocery store for one euro and I think it was 50 cents or something. So about a dollar sixty US.
1: Sounds like glorified grape juice.
0: You know what? In, so in Chiang Mai, when we bought a, well, I bought a cheap bottle of wine for about 200 something, but it was terrible. And then I I looked at the back of it thinking, why is it so sweet? Like what is in this? And I realized it's not even made from grapes. It says fruit wine. Mm. So the cheapest drinkable bottle of, of wine in Thailand is, is like $30. And here, For dollar sixty US, less than two buck chuck, less than Charles Shaw at you know Charles Shaw wine at uh, Trader Joe's, mm-hmm. it was great. It was like it was like a very drinkable wine.
1: For all day consumption. For all day consumption.
0: All right. So number one rule of building wealth is saving more money or buying more assets than you spend. Uh I'm glad that even though both of us are in more, you know, expensive countries than we were in Chiang Mai, we are still On path, you're not blowing, you know, uh, all of your money. You're still spending the money on investments and not, you know, wasting too much money in Singapore, even though it is more expensive. And I'm kind of doing the same. Even though I'm in a city where I could be spending a lot more money, I'm still kind of, you know, budging a bit and I'm, I'm taking that money to save up into my bank account so I can buy more investments. Uh, and I'm keeping an eye on everything I have right now.
1: That's good, man. I'm, I'm not a role model in that sense. I'm definitely spending more than I'm making in my investments and I have been for the last three years, but that is part of the journey of this podcast is to try to correct that and get it going back in the right direction. So learning a lot and making a lot of changes into my portfolio and i hope to share all the ups and downs with you johnny and everybody else okay
0: perfect so uh i'll go to start so I, I haven't had that many big changes because i've mainly mm-hmm. been just been traveling this last month but i think what's really important with this podcast and i think one of the the biggest benefits is going to be people following our journey and realizing Hey, let Johnny and Sam make the mistakes, uh, you know, <laughs> play with their own personal money. And that way we can determine for ourselves what we want to invest in. So one thing that I was actually really, really excited about uh, last time, and I actually made um, an on-air, uh, I guess, you know, a auto transfer of, I think it was 1500 bucks mm-hmm. a month to Wealthfront. I've actually canceled that since. And okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you why. So okay. I've been doing a lot of research on the best robo investing. So Wealthfront versus Betterment, and I realized that Wealthfront is amazing if you have fifteen thousand or less, you know, total total money because they don't charge any fees at all. Mm-hmm. But uh if you are, you know, if you keep putting money in, or you know, if you get to the total net worth or the total worth, um, portfolio worth of a hundred thousand or more. Betterment actually has less fees. So I think right now uh Wealthfront is was it something like 0.25? Do you remember what that was?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's 0.25.
0: Yeah, which isn't bad. Uh, but I'm going to get into in a second why uh, it's actually higher than that. But with Betterment, that same fee is only 0.15 if you have uh 100,000 or more in there. So it's actually okay. so in your case, Sam, uh, it, it, you if you would do nothing different and you were just to switch you know, your $100,000 uh, that's currently in wealth front to betterment, you would actually be saving quite a bit of money.
1: But it's actually not that much money. If it's 0.25% on $100,000, it would be $150 in fees compared to $250 in fees.
0: Yeah. So I guess it's not that big of a deal either way. And and, and I personally do like um, wealth, you know, wealth fronts, like dashboards and things like that. But uh, talking a little bit more with uh, a couple of investors, the reason why. Both one, both Wealthfront and Betterment may not be the best idea. And the reason why I have temporarily paused my, mm-hmm. um, my contributions to Wealthfront and, you know, kind of to, to let everyone know, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, neither samurai or I are financial investors, you know, this is a journey of us figuring out what is best with our, with our own money. Um, mm-hmm. and I want to say that I think whichever one we choose, we're going to be way better off than 99% of people out there that just do nothing with their money or invest in mm-hmm. something like a mutual fund, uh, through a, you know, a financial planner and, the, and they're charging you fees everywhere.
1: Absolutely. So,
0: so now we're almost getting out of the nitty gritty. You know, we're literally talking about saving $100 a year in fees, you know, which really isn't that big of a deal. Uh, but the reason why I'm pausing wealth front and not putting more money in, I'm not taking my money out, but I'm not putting more money in right now is because Wealthfront for two reasons. First is Wealthfront, even though they are not char- you know, charging you fee- that much fees to to manage, they are trading on your behalf. So when you log in and you see your Wealthfront digest and it says two you know, twenty-seven free trades made, hundred and eighty-seven dollars mm-hmm. in tax mm-hmm. losses harvested, $109 in dividends reinvested. When you take a look at that, you're like, wow, this is awesome. Wealthfront has just made me $300, you know, they are amazing. But if you really look into the free trades made, it says Wealthfront does not charge an additional commission for trades made to reinvest, you know, yada yada, which means Wealthfront may not be charging you, but the the index fund or the or the fund that they are buying, that has a fee. And one but aren't, of, it, what, aren't
1: the fees aren't the fees that they that they invest in Vanguard funds primarily?
0: Uh so a lot of them are Vanguard funds. Uh that's actually the, the thing I want to get to Secondly, mm-hmm. but it's there are going to be a lot of like small fees when they when they buy uh, back and forth. Um, okay. versus if we invested directly in Vanguard ourselves, if we just held mm-hmm. that means we would either have no fee at all because if because if we go through Vanguard directly, uh, or if anything, we're just holding it. So we're not, you know, accruing little tiny fees here and there, which which may add up. And I and mm-hmm. I and I don't have exact numbers. And so if anyone has a breakdown on what it actually costs, um, you know, per trade or per month? Because I'm sure we're not paying, you know, eight ninety five um, every time Wealthfront trades for us. Especially because you know, mm-hmm. hopefully they're kind of pooling that together, so we kind of splitting the fees with other people. But um, there's a chance that you know, because they're not, we're not buying directly through Vanguard, even though we're buying a Vanguard fund, we are still paying some type of trading fee um, for them yeah. to, you know,
1: to it certainly could be. Us. Yeah, maybe we should put together a matrix comparing Betterment and Wealthfront and publish that for the listeners and and see maybe if we can get someone at Betterment and and Wealthfront on the show or in or to confirm kind of what we've put together.
0: Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And so the second reason why uh, I'm not putting more money into Wealthfront right now is I had set my risk tolerance at. Ten, which is which is the maximum, you know, because mm-hmm. I want to be I want to be risky. You know, I have income coming in. I don't have any responsibilities. I have no liabilities. I have no uh, kids to feed. Uh, so I have, you know, I have I have room to be risky. But unfortunately, um, taking a look at Wealthfront's kind of breakdown, even at ten, we are still investing in a bunch of like thirty percent in bonds uh, and mm-hmm. things like that, which you know are not really high growth. Uh, you know, they're not even really high risk. And right. I realized that the reason why Wealthfront forces you to do that, and actually emailed them asking, "Hey, can I have a custom mix? Or can I can I change it so I don't invest in, in things like bonds?" And mm-hmm. they said, "No, sorry, this is you know you have to choose one of the of the ten um, the ten kind of pre mixed um, mm-hmm. formulas." And the reason for that, I believe, is they never want to lose money. Which is, you know, a good thing for, you know, a lot of people. I would say kind of the majority of people out there. Um, they, you know, if there's a financial crisis or the stock market goes down, they don't want to see their account drop because the worst thing mm-hmm. that could happen to Wealthfront is there's a, a recession or, you know, a dip. Um, and tons of people start losing money. That's going to destroy Wealthfront's name and reputation. And it's going to be hard for them to recover versus That's a good point. Yeah. if they, Made every account relatively safe, even though it might not grow as high as it possibly could. Um, pe- you know, very few people will actually lose money,
1: uh, which mm-hmm.
0: means they, they protect the rep.
1: Okay, so does Betterment do something different?
0: Betterment is is pretty much exactly the same, which is why mm-hmm. I'm I'm not putting
1: my money into Betterment. Oh, uh, go in the, you're going the Johnny FD straight straight investing risk route.
0: Yep. So. <laughs> Uh, what I'm doing instead, uh, is I'm just going to put more money into buying Vanguard stocks or index funds directly. So VTI is, is my favorite right now because it's kind of a nice mix. Uh, it's not just the S&P 500. It's, it's a way bigger risk, um, mix, which also means it's a much bigger risk. So if the stock market drops, my, my, you know, my Vanguard VTI fund may drop, you know, 30, 40%. But I am willing to, to tolerate that risk uh, in hopes that with the dividends it pays out as well as the growth that it's kind of shown uh, in the history will we'll, we'll outweigh it.
1: All right. Well, I'm really excited to hear how your wealth front you're, – so you're keeping some money in wealth front, right?
0: Yeah. So right now, I think I have about – Twenty thousand dollars in wealth fund. Let me um, take a look.
1: Yeah, so it'd be and, cool to it'd be cool to yeah. see how that compares to over the the course of each quarter and then the year compared to how your VTI fund compares, just straight up.
0: Yeah, and to be honest, that's actually one of the reasons why I'm keeping it in there is just because. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be able to, to to screenshot you know every single month saying how these two are comparing. So I have $21,908 in my Wealthfront account right now. And since I'm not putting more money in, I'm just going to reinvest the dividends as well as you know watch it grow. It's going to be very easy for people to see if that number is going up, staying the same or going mm-hmm.
1: down. So what is, what is your return so far in the year? If you click on summary under the personal account.
0: Yeah. So it looks like right now my time way to return. Uh, I'm not sure if this is for... The year or or year to date. Let me try to do year to date. Uh, it looks like it's three point two percent on your time weighted. Yep, on my time See, weighted I,
1: return. I looked up these earlier, and it it's kind of frustrating that there's the money weighted return, the time weighted return. Which I looked up the definitions, and both are still confusing. Mm-hmm. And then if you go in Vanguard, they call it a it's like a some other type of return. So I don't even know how to compare. You know, they could be funny in the way that they present those. Yeah, to well, make, to make your yeah. return seem better, I'm sure they will. But we just kind of need a layman's terms of I put in X amount of money and it's up this amount this you know this year. Um, yeah,
0: well, what's crazy about I mean all of them is um, they they you know obviously they want to make it look like your your money is growing as much as possible because it, it looks good for them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so with even with Vanguard, who I would say is kind of like the most um, You know, the most basic one where they're not, they're not trying to be flashy. Even them, what they do is they, they count, you know, they kind of count in how much more funds you've, you've invested or more you bought to make it look like, Mm -hmm. you know, your money is growing exponentially, you know, uh, but they're not really accounting for the, hey, this is more money that you've put in.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I just looked up time weighted return. It says the time weighted return or true time weighted rate of return, is a measure of the historical performance of an investment portfolio which compensates for external flows. Does that even make sense? I had no, yeah, no <laughs> idea what that means. Uh, <laughs> and then there's the money-weighted return, which is presented in Wealthfront right next to it. The money-weighted returns is a measure of the rate of return for a portfolio that sets the present value of all cash flows and terminal values equal to the initial investment. In other words, the money-weighted return is the rate of return is simply the internal rate of return <laughs> like if anyone can explain that in layman's terms please email us or give yeah. us a, a shout in the boss lounge
0: yep or leave a comment uh, down on the bottom actually so if anyone has not joined the boss lounge yet it is such a great community that's growing rapidly it is our free facebook group designed to connect uh, other, you know, you guys, listeners to each other, uh, give you guys access to us directly where you can ask us, you know, whatever you want, as well as access to the guests, which to me is, is something that I wish existed when I first started this journey where it was how amazing would it have been to, you know, be able to listen to an hour long interview with an expert in a field, then just be able to go on Facebook, you know, join this free, you know, free group and just be able to ask that expert, you know, a question and have them answer you. It's, it's, you know, this did not exist before, especially not for mm-hmm. for free.
1: Definitely, yeah. We gotta get in, gotta get in there and get the involvement rolling. After every single episode, let's let's dissect all the different content and compare strategies. And we, we'd love more people to share their own journeys in that in that lounge and share ideas of who we can get on the show and what topics we can talk about.
0: Yeah, and if this lounge uh, grows to a big enough point, we might actually have to start charging a monthly membership for it. So if you guys want to get in for free do it now. Just go to investlikeaboss.com, click under bonus. Uh, and basically, as long as you sign up for our email list, uh, that way we can kind of send you updates. Uh, you get access to this
1: completely for free. So your Wealthfront is returned three... Time weighted to return was 3.2, right?
0: Yep. And money weighted okay. was 3.4%.
1: Okay. Okay. Cool. All right.
0: So aside from Wealthfront... Um, I also have some money in Lending Club which I re- I talked about last time but basically that is still going to be the, the, the same um the same strategy. I am not taking my money out of Lending Club per se. I am just pausing the the dividend uh reinvestment. So yeah. yeah. So I'm pausing the reinvestment. So that way, you know, I'll, once these loans mature, I'll be able to pull that money out. Then I can really see how much I've actually made from it. Uh, so right now it looks like my total account value, um, my adjusted net analyzed return is 6.39%, which actually I think is a little bit lower than it was last month.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it. I thought you were closer to nine.
0: Yeah. So it has a drop down and, and I, and I wonder, uh, if that's just because more time has passed where, you know, more loans have been able to default and I'm not investing in new loans. So I think maybe that's mm. just kind of one of the ways to kind of get you where if you're always investing in new loans, your total drop off oh, rate yeah. is going to be lower because you have yeah. more new loans.
1: Mm, interesting. And you know, they have went through all that turmoil in the last six weeks or so. I wonder if that had anything to do with it.
0: Yeah. So it definitely could be. So t- in total now, I have 309, uh, loans issued and only so 30 of them have been fully paid but 16 of them have been charged off. (laughs)
1: God, it's we listen. We got to get someone on the show to answer what happens to these people that are charging off. You know, I feel like they're just they're applying for the loan, they get the loan, loan, and then they just run to Mexico or something and never never have to answer for it,
0: (laughs) right? Yeah, so I'm very curious what's going to happen. Lending Club. uh, I'm very glad I did it because it's it's one of these you know great ideas. I, I like the idea of these micro loans or. Peer to peer lending and it's only $25 per person per loan. So it's kind of a nice social experiment as well. But even though there is a chance of having, you know, a 10% return while kind of doing something good in the world and, and loaning people that need money, some cash, I am not going to be investing uh, any more money at this point into mm-hmm. into lending club or reinvesting.
1: I'm, I'm curious what your, I don't know if they call it the risk or I think it's the grade of loans that you're making. It's A through F, right?
0: Yeah, all mine are you, F's. You
1: Okay, <laughs> all of them are Fs?
0: No, no not all, but I, I, I made mine risky as well. So pretty oh much everything gosh. I invest be- in besides Vanguard is risky.
1: Okay. That's, uh, that's really cool. So I was actually thinking of setting up an account in Lending Club and just doing all F loans just as, as a, an experiment. But since you've already pretty much done it, <laughs> I think I'll leave that one up to you. Thank you for covering it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're very <laughs> so, welcome, sir.
1: Okay. <laughs> Um, Interesting.
0: So, yeah, that's Landing Club. Speaking of high risk, potentially high return, <laughs> mm-hmm. after recording the episode with uh, Brian from Art of FX, episode three, I decided to take the kind of the riskiest investment uh of my portfolio. Uh so I wire transferred him 10000 dollars and said, you know, do what you want to do with it. And <laughs> <laughs> uh knowing that investing in in currency or FX training is very risky. So I, this is not something I advise to anyone who cannot afford to lose the money they're, they're investing or to anyone who wants a very, very stable kind of, you know, there's no guarantees, but like guaranteed return. This is not it. This is a super high risk, super high reward um type investment so if you guys haven't yet listened to episode three and you can kind of
1: see why i'll tell you what he when'd you get when'd you get the money to him uh just like two weeks ago okay well he's he's been on a tear the last two weeks he's just been nothing but win winners so
0: well hopefully i don't even know if my my money's even being invested yet because he had to move out of that penthouse uh i don't know if you talked to him lately but he's yeah he got a dog <laughs> He just, <laughs> and he had forex, to move out of
1: the, forex, forex trading is the loneliest job. <laughs> it is. I mean, because yeah,
0: I mean, if you guys remember that episode, Brian like never left his, his apartment. He, I mean, yeah. it, you know, it was this beautiful, you know, was a three story um, penthouse with mm. most of the rooms just completely empty, and he just never left. He would just order food in. He would have people bring over groceries, and he would just work all day. You know, he, would, he yeah. would literally work like twenty hours a day, which is insane. And so he decided to get a dog to to make him less lonely, and his landlord found out, freaked out, and evicted him.
1: Wow, I did not hear yeah. that. Yeah, no, so the, tra- the-, the trading the trading seems uninterrupted.
0: Yeah, well that's good, right? <laughs> uh, but I think personally he's been you know been swamped and busy, so he ha- I don't he hasn't even sent me a login to my account yet, so I'm not even sure if he's been if he's been investing my money yet. Um, So I will keep everyone updated on that. This is one of those things where I figure, it's to me, it's kind of like putting $10,000 on red uh, Mm -hmm. in roulette in Vegas and saying, either this money is going to grow to some insane amount or there's potential I'm going to lose some, a lot, or maybe even all of it. But to me, it's just a fun gamble. I'm investing more in him than I am mm-hmm. in FX trading itself. I I don't think there was any chance I would ever just decide I want, I want to get into FX trading. But I saw how hard of a worker he is, how smart he is, how dedicated he was. And I figured, you know what? Let me invest in this guy.
1: You know, and it makes sense. You're in Thailand a lot. You go through Bangkok. It's nice to, to have an excuse to go see Brian, hang out, have some whiskey, watch some trading, and catch up.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm very fortunate right now where, you know, the... $10,000 is only a small percentage now of my total portfolio, especially because I kind of figured, you know, with the 60K exit I got from selling my dropshipping store, you know, I could take a sixth of that and put it into something very high risk, mm-hmm. put half of it into buying, I don't want to call it medium risk or, you know, just something, you know, much less risky, uh, like the index funds, which, you know, probably low risk. And then having another half of that in cash to to be able to use for either a rainy day or you know, to be able to invest kind of bullishly in, in a big opportunity if it comes
1: up. I like yeah. the strategy, buddy. I like it. Yeah. Uh,
0: so that is about it. So if you guys are subscribed to the mailing list at investlikeaboss.com, every single month or quarter, or kind of whatever it makes sense, uh, Sam and I have actually been emailing out screenshots of our dashboards. So if you guys have been invested, you would have saw, you know, pretty, you know, everything that we invested in. And then the next time there's a bit, you know, at the end of a month or end of a quarter, Gonna, and we shoot out the next one you can kind of see how that's grown what we're, we're investing in now and one thing that i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot out actually um or actually I'm, i'll put it to the show notes of this episode so this is episode nine is the dashboard of my uh, open buy orders for vanguard and the reason why i want to show this to you guys is you can see what i have set up uh so instead of buying you know let's say a 100 shares of vanguard uh vti just straight away at i'm Doing something which i don't even know what people really call it uh but it's it's i'm putting a bunch of buy orders in for different amounts so right now vti is trading around 105 or so 105 dollars mm. per, per share i put in an order for 104 uh an order for 101 uh, an order for 99 an order for 95 an order for 90 an order for 85 an order for 80 and an order for 70 dollars <laughs> which will automatically kick in if the fund actually just drops and sometimes you get these you know random fluctuations or you get like um monday for example uh, a few months ago monday morning i woke up and the stock market kind of had this big drop and it dropped to i think vti dropped to about 99 so right now i actually mm-hmm. took a look it's actually pretty high it's at 107 uh, 37 and when it dropped to 99 overnight my all my buy orders kicked in automatically even though i was sleeping and it got me a bunch of shares at a discount which made me money literally overnight because it went right back up by the time I woke up.
1: Yeah. So let me ask you, if you set in that buy order and you don't have money, it's, that's pulling money from your bank account into Vanguard to, to, to buy that, correct?
0: Yeah. So there's two ways to do that. One is it can just pull from your bank account, which is probably the easier way for most people. Cause I think what they do is they kind of give you almost like a credit where you have another, you know, um, 30 days or so to, to actually pay for it um mm-hmm. i guess for them it's not a big deal because they still own the shares so if you don't pay for it, you can't just you know you can't just sell it um what I do is I actually keep some money in my money market account on Vanguard just to kind of make that transaction a little bit faster.
1: Okay. So that was my question is if you exercise the buy, but the money is in your bank account, and let's say it takes three or four days for the ACH to get to Vanguard, do you get to buy in at that price of the buy order even though it's going to take three days and the, and the price of the fund could change Pretty significantly in those three or four days. Yeah,
0: correct. You you are locked in at the at the the amount you bought for.
1: Oh gosh. Okay. So you know what happened with my wealthfront account? This it was during the Brexit. I have my wealthfront set to automatically invest at the end of each month. I think it's on on the twenty fifth. So on the twenty fifth, it started the transaction. On the twenty fifth was the day of the Brexit. The market got crushed for the next two days, right? Mm -hmm. And I think let's say the Dow went down to like. Seventeen two, and while it was at seventeen two, my order is processing. The money didn't actually get into my account until two or three days later, when the market had rebounded almost fully. So oh, no. I missed—I missed at least like a seven or eight percent pop, right? Yep. So it's better. I like the Vanguard style where once you put in the order, it's you, you get you lock in that price, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. And you know, I think we can almost have an episode just on. Wealth fund versus betterment, you know, if, if we wanted to try that out, or we can have an episode on, you know, just robo investing versus Vanguard VTI, uh, or I mean, Va- yeah. Vanguard, um, index funds. And yeah. I, I think this is, this is kind of like, uh, there's so many pros and cons of each that we can, we could definitely talk about that for an hour.
1: Yeah. Well, now that you have a Betterman account too, we can compare that to Wealthfront Apples and Apples and I have my Wealthfront account too that we can always throw in the mix.
0: Yeah. No, I actually never signed up for the, the Betterman account. I just explored oh, it. Oh, you
1: didn't. Okay. Well, well <laughs> sounds like a trial that we need to do.
0: Yeah. You definitely look into that. So that is about it. So Vanguard VTI, I'm pretty happy with. I I just logged into my, my dashboards and in total, it looks like I have, let's see, $86,000 in VTI, which is the Vanguard index fund total stock market. That is the biggest investment I have out of, out of, out of anywhere. Uh, and in total, my total gain is $3,891 from just, um, VTI. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy right now that it's it's pretty high. So right now it's at 107. So if I sold it all right now, I mm-hmm. would have made almost $4,000, but I am going to hold on to it, see what happens.
1: Good stuff. Well, all I guess right. I'll dive into a few things in mine. The The most interesting comparison that I can give you and the listeners is I'm also comparing my Wealthfront account to my Vanguard, and then I have an E-Trade account. So my E-Trade account is just me, stock picking, you know, it's more of like a fun account, but I've recently increased my investment. So right now I have almost the same amount of money in my Vanguard as in my Wealthfront as in my Mm E-Trade. So the the difference is the Wealthfront is completely automated. You have no choice except a little bit on the risk side, as we've described. Then Vanguard is, I would say, kind of a hybrid where I own almost 12 funds in there now compared to you. You're only, you own one. So yours is very aggressive. Mine's a little bit more balanced. Uh, but I'm still essentially picking funds. So I'm picking maybe the REIT fund and their, their materials fund, uh, their SMP fund, emerging markets fund, right? I'm still kind of picking. And then we have E-trade, which I'm. Fully picking; those are just going in and buying, say, Tesla stock, Facebook stock, a Chilean ETF, for instance. My wealthfront account is crushing the other two, and I think it's pretty humorous because wealth—it just goes to show that at least up to now, year to date, their model is proving correct at least in in my scenario where their model is you can't beat the market let us do it you know and then on the on the opposite side e trade is getting my e trade account is getting hammered it's down like 8% and vanguard's kind of somewhere in the middle vanguard is up right now here to date 3.3% where my wealth front, at least what they show and i'm tr- still trying to understand exactly what these values mean is up the time weighted is eleven point four percent, and the money weighted is six point three percent.
0: Wow, that's high.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the actual asset class what they had me in. So the U.S. stocks that they had me in where is up. The returns eleven percent right now. The foreign stocks six percent. Emerging markets, 19%. Dividend stocks, 15%. Natural resources, 29%. So I must have just got in a good time when that, on the natural resources. So everything in that account's up. And it's kind of hard to believe because my, I would say my Vanguard account is not that much different. And my Vanguard account is, is up 3.3%. And like I said, my E-Trade account, which is just picking stocks, is getting hammered. So who knows what that'll be at the end of the year. I'll, we'll definitely Kind of cover those three and compare and contrast regularly, but as of right now, the robo investing is slaughtering the other two. So, oh, nice. I,
0: I would imagine um, that when the economy is kind of uh, unstable, uh, as it is right now, the wealth front accounts are going to be going to be higher, uh, just because they're more diversified. They have things like bonds and things like that in there. It's almost comparable to what Tony Robbins talks about in uh, Money Master the Game, the All Seasons of the Portfolio. Uh, mm-hmm. I would like to see a a you know kind of a snapshot side by side on what is in the all seasons portfolio versus what is in the uh, the wealth front portfolio you know especially at like uh, risk level eight or something. I, I would just guess that they're very similar.
1: Yeah, good point. That would be good to cover as well. And I'm just looking at my Vanguard. I couldn't find this this dashboard that I was looking for. But so year to date, I have seventeen thousand dollars in gains in my Vanguard account. But get this, of that. Fifteen thousand of it is fixed income. Only two thousand of it is capital gains. So, most so it be, it is the dividends? It's the dividends. I would say mostly from like the REIT, the REIT fund that I have. Of course, the S&P fund pays out two percent, and so so I have I have some fixed income funds in there. But on a capital gain, capital loss side, it's it's almost break even. Uh, and then of course on my ETrade stuff, that's almost purely cap gains and cap losses. And currently it's it's down about 8% up to the loss side. So Sam's not Sam's not picking stocks very good. Yeah, well, I, will, you know. I, I, I will tell you the one winner in my E-Trade account, at least in the last few months, is Lending Club. So I went and I looked at Lending Club because I was going to open an account. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. And I looked at their stock and their stock, their IPO is around 30. And then I pulled it up because I was thinking about opening an account. And I was like, eh, it's kind of turbulent right now. Their CEO is getting ousted and all these scandal news feeds going on. And I looked, their stock was at 3.4 and it was oh, wow. it IPO'd, it, it IPO'd only six months before that, in like almost 30. It looked like they're going bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know what? Okay. If I put in $50,000 into Lending Club, if Lending Club goes bankrupt, I don't think you're going to lose that money in the loans, but you might have a lo- lot of trouble getting it back. And it, it, it would just be really messy, right? Mm-hmm. If I put $50,000 into their stock, if they go bankrupt, you're going to lose the money. But if if they recover back to normal you know, their IPO level that would re- go up 10 times by a multiple of 10 so i thought the risk reward was better just to buy the stocks so i didn't buy 50000 dollars worth i bought 10000 dollars worth but the stock is now at 4.5 so it's already up it's up 50% from where i bought it so that's been pretty cool and then <laughs> i ended up just for the experimental side of it i ended up opening an account with them and after talking to you today i think i'm just going to close it Be- what i really don't <laughs> like what i don't like about it is the best case scenario you're looking at maybe getting 9% somewhere in that maybe 9 10% and that's if the company holds up and that's if they continue to vet these loans you know somewhat well but the the big question is what happens if we go into a recession or what happens if another com- com- uh, country in the eu exits you know what happens it, when we have our our uh, election coming up in a, in 6 months there's just so many downside variables that i think the chance of getting zero returns is pretty realistic and what i don't like about lending club is the the least term is 36 months right mm-hmm. so that's a long time to lock up money so i i've been, i put in money it's on auto investing. It's only invested about a third of it. I think I'm just going to go ahead and pause it. Have that kind of as experimental and and use the money elsewhere.
0: So I wouldn't necessarily, you know, close the account. I would, I would just do exactly what you're doing: is you know, not invest anymore, not have it reinvest.
1: Okay, good plan. So I got that. I'll share some some dashboard screenshots. Uh, I think I invested mostly in the C and D range. But what I'm more excited about than that is Pierce Street. So Pierce Street, we talked about in, I'm not sure if it was the last episode or episode before with Mario Lissabello. Um, so Pierce Street is very similar to Lending Club, except that the actual loans are secure, backed by real estate. So in order for someone to get a loan, they have to put up their house or the house they're acquiring. And because of that reason, they've never had a loan default. Now, I'm, I'm sure in time, they're going to have a loan default, but at least they it's it's they have the first right on the property so if the loan goes bust then they're able to liquidate or sell and liquidate the house and distribute the the money back to the loaners so what i'm very excited about is i've actually talked to them over the last week and they're agreed to come on the show i'm not sure sure it's going to be on the show but we'll have them coming on in the next couple weeks and we're going to go over my investment or we'll say my loans with them and if any of the listeners have very specific questions that they want us to ask Or cover on the episode, please email us or leave us or leave in the show notes on this. And we'll be sure to cover those. But I think that'll be a really good episode. So I I invested a fair amount of money with them. um, And I also have that on auto investing. So I'll share some more of the screenshots for that. So that's been the big stuff for me this month is really kind of learning about Peer Street and understanding how to set up a strategy with them. The other small things I've done this week, uh, actually, sorry, the last month are let's see, I bought SNH. SNH is Senior Housing Property Trust REIT.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah.
1: You know where I got this
0: idea from? Where did you get it? From um, your boy in Hong Kong?
1: That and originally in the Money Master of the Game book. Oh, okay. He's talking about buying REITs in, in senior housing, right? But yeah. he doesn't go into any more detail in it. So I was reading a lot of the different forms and trying to figure out so, where's what's Tony or I been talking about? Do you do this privately or publicly or what? So I've been doing a lot of REIT investing lately. I'm um, in Singapore. I've got some uh, Singapore REITs called Maple Tree. And I was looking at some blogs and I found a blog that was comparing a lot of the different publicly traded REITs. And this Senior Housing Property Trust is currently paying a 7.5% yield. And what I like about it is everyone's getting older in the U. This is a US REIT. Uh, but everyone, the baby boomers is getting older. Everyone, unfortunately, it seems like everybody in the US, when their parents get old, they just throw them in retirement homes. It's the way way things go. So I think in the next 10 years, it will be it'll be very stable. And they've been increasing their dividend almost every single year since 2001. So if you buy, say, now we're at 7.5% in two, three years, that should continue to trickle up to 7, 8, 9, 10%, maybe in the next uh, five plus years. So I'm pretty excited about those because they're just fixed income. There's not a whole lot of stock ver- uh, or stock price variability in it, and it's kind of a consistent paycheck.
0: I do like that. and you know what ReITs are actually one of those things that I am still looking into, so I'm, I'm kind of mm-hmm. excited to to get more into that. The only reason why I have not invested in REITs yet is I'm I'm a bit afraid of mm-hmm. investing in something where the owners of the company, they have the upside of kind of gambling with our money. If, if that makes sense. Where yeah. If it was if somebody wanted to go 50/50 into uh senior housing with me, that's something and they were putting 50% of their money into it and then, you know, we were trying to aggressively grow it together. They're managing it and they wanted to aggressively grow it. I'd be very happy with that. But the fact is with with the REIT, it's, you know, pretty much all investor money and mm-hmm. this, you know, this company is their goal is to grow as much as possible. I'm almost afraid they're going to take bigger gambles because it's not their own money.
1: Very true. And from all the roots that I've looked at, it seems like they don't actually acquire equity. So they just go out, they, get, they find a property, they get a bank to mortgage the entire thing, and they never actually pay down the principal of the debt. They just pay the interest to service the debt. So mm-hmm. I've done a lot of research on these things going back through the last big recession 2007 2008 they seem pretty stable but you know time will tell in the next one and what happens when we're basically in a zero zero interest market environment right now if interest rates go up higher it requires the REIT to pay a lot more money to service the debt what happens in that environment I don't know time will tell so a lot of questions still to be answered there
0: yeah Definitely. so I'm excited that you are doing it. so
1: like we can kind of learn from <laughs> from your experience. As, lo- as long as you take the lending club risk, I'm willing to take the REIT risk. Sure, Let- let's do that. It's kind of divide that up a bit. Yeah, <laughs> right. The only other last thing I did this past five weeks was I in- reinvested in a startup in Singapore called Glintz. I invested in them at a seed level about two years ago. Met with the guys again, still love them and reinvested with them some more money to increase my shares with them and also excited to have them coming on the show this in the next uh, two weeks. So I'll have them over to my place in Singapore and we're going to interview them about the fundraising rounds, how they came up with the valuation of the company, how they got investors, how they found... Uh, how they put all the paperwork together and stuff and try to give listeners more of insight on how they might be able to invest in startups and how these things are structured.
0: I like it, man. So much going on. So if you guys haven't listened to all the all the episodes that we've had out so far, we've had eight amazing episodes. And you know, I I've been listening to them again while traveling on trains and planes. And I learned even just from the ones that, that I've heard before, just by re-listening to them, I've been picking up so many little tips and my financial knowledge has grown so much by listening to the, these people. So let's do a, a real quick recap on what some of these other episodes are about. Uh So episode one was all about what Sam invests in. And if you guys kind of enjoyed Sam's kind of update on... In, in this episode, go back and listen to episode one, because he goes into detail on why he invests in everything, kind of more the percentages of, of how much of his, his net worth he invests in each and gives a, a foundation, uh, f- for these updates. Mm-hmm. Same thing kind of for episode two, which was, which was mine on how I got started investing, you know, and I went from having pretty much no money, less than a thousand dollars, uh, three years ago to now having a net worth of about 300. Or so, maybe I need to do an update, but around there, yeah, it's a big uh, I should write a book. <laughs>
1: actually, I did, it's called Life Changes <laughs> Quick.
0: Pick it up, guys. <laughs> and so, what do we have for episodes to be in for Sam?
1: I'm actually pulling it up right now, I keep getting them sidetracked. So, three yeah. was with Brian, and that was we already talked about a little bit in this show with Art of FX. That was a supercharged episode over a bottle of, uh, of whiskey in Bangkok. Episode four was Stand the Annuity Man. And I actually just talked to my my parents. They've just bought some more annuities. I mean, these things are are rock, si- rock solid contractual guarantees. Nothing fancy. You're not going to wake up uh, excited about your earnings. And you're also going to sleep really well at night. So that is a very risk adverse way to to add some, I would say, some some comfort to your portfolio. How about episode five and six? What do we have there, Johnny? Uh,
0: so for f- episode five, we have... Dave Steiner, uh, who is the family man who... Um, just emailed me just out of the, the kind of kindness of his own hearts you know giving me some advice he's super into investing because he is planning his retirement for him and his family Uh and he is a, you know a, a very savvy investor that's kind of a little bit more traditional but he's really into into the index funds and saving fees he's the one that really kind of convinced me to take a second look at Wealthfront and kind of see the the potential downsides to it so you know big shout out to to Dave for going back and forth with me through email kind of just kind of hitting me on the head saying, look, look into it more, look how many fees, you know, look at the potential fees that may be a little bit hidden, but also look at the downside of not having enough risk, which is kind of a Mm -hmm. funny thing to say, but it's true, especially because in, in, in my situation, but also in a lot of people's situations where we are financially savvy enough to know not to sell just because the stock market is down, to if anything, to buy more. The potential yeah. upside is so much higher for us than kind of the average person going through Wealthfront. I think Wealthfront is great for probably 99% of people in the world who don't listen to podcasts like this and don't, you know, don't want to read, don't want to, Be you know financially savvy, they just want to put money where it's relatively safe, and it'll kind of grow and not lose money. You know, you know, maybe not either lose too much or not lose at all if Mm -hmm. there is a dip. So, Wealthfront is great for people like that, but people like me and I would say, you know, the kind of the main listeners of the show, I would assume, uh, are people that are like, you know, what I want to be able to to grow my money. 10x. I don't want to just settle for 3x. And he did some math for me. He said, you know, he's like, Johnny, you know, either way, you're not going to, you're not going to be poor when you retire. You know, you're not going to, um, you know, you, you're not going to, you're probably not going to lose money. But the difference is you might retire with $3 million if you stick with something like Wealthfront, or that same amount of money might be worth eight or 10 million if you, uh, invested in riskier, things like even with vanguard directly
1: yeah you had a lot of good points
0: so uh big shout out to to david for that episode six uh was with your boy dan norris who just launched their brewery black hops in australia so if you guys are australian and you guys want to try some of uh some craft beer that it, sam mm-hmm. is invested in uh check that episode out I, I really liked it where he talked a lot about Investing kind of more in yourself and in your business than necessarily going out and invest you know spending your time and energy investing in other people's businesses.
1: Yeah, definitely. So that was up through episode six, Then we had two more. We had episode seven, which was with my buddy Kevin Shea, who I also did a joint venture with in self-storage. So Kevin's built the biggest self-storage company in Hong Kong with over 64 locations. They're literally everywhere in Hong Kong. So he talks about how he got the business going, how to leverage his properties to continue to build the business. Business. and then we get into reIT investing which is is a very hot topic right now. So anyone who doesn't have the capabilities to actually build a or invest in a, a single property that generates income, you can invest in REITs and don't you don't have to worry about any of the maintenance or overhead. you just collect a paycheck. So definitely check out that episode And then number eight was with my CPA. Mario, who we talk about peer-to-peer lending and then structuring atypical investments. So Mario has dealt with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of atypical investments, how to structure them, the paperwork involved, and strategies around growing those investments. Nice. So uh, if you guys haven't listened to
0: those episodes, definitely go back and, and take a look at them because there's so much to kind of learn um, from each one.
1: And yeah. I would say... Yeah, I was just going to say, coming up, we have four awesome episodes. The beauty with this thing is I think as this as the podcast grows, we're getting access to a lot more people and now we have people that are reaching out to us, coming up, they're asking to come on the show. So again, if the listeners have anyone that they'd like us to reach out to and get on the show, please let us know. But for the next four episodes, we're going to have the CEO of Empire Flippers, which is a marketplace for selling websites, um, and they have to be cash flow positive, net profit positive websites. Uh, so we have the CEO of that coming on. Then we have Fundrise, which is one of the hottest new, I would say, digital uh, investing startups. Uh, they're based in Washington, D.C., and they have put together a eREIT, which is basically their terminology for a REIT. Um, they're actually going out and acquiring uh, acquiring properties, and they're opening it as a private investment uh, for accredited investors. So we're going to have their CEO on the show in two weeks to talk about their product and how people can get involved. Really exciting. Um And then we also have two other great ones to follow up. We have Peer Street, which I've recently invested in. They're going to be on the show to talk about uh, their investments, which are as low as $1,000. And they've never had a loan default, which I think is amazing. And then the fourth one will be Glintz, which is one of the hottest new startups in Singapore, a company that I have invested in several times. And. We're gonna hear their story of how they took on money and how they're growing their business.
0: I like it, man. So many exciting things coming up. Uh, this is almost coming up to the first month of the Invest Like a Boss podcast being live. We are so excited to have how. You know, how many people this podcast has reached, especially that, that are outside of our own networks. So obviously our friends, our family, the listeners of the Child Like a boss podcast love the show, but it's really reaching a ton of people out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm glad, you know, you know, I, w- I want to thank everyone for sharing it, but also taking the time to go to iTunes and leaving a review because that is the number one way to help this podcast grow. So if you guys haven't done it already, please go to the iTunes store and leave a review of this podcast. Uh, If you want to have the chance to win a $25 Amazon gift card, uh, all you have to do is send us a screenshot of the review you left. So if you go to investlikeaboss.com and click on bonus, uh, you can have, you can see instructions on how to submit that
1: email or that screenshot and to win. Sounds great. Yeah, I would just say in closing, please join the the Boss Lounge. We're having a lot of fun in there talking about different investments, doing Q&A and interacting with everyone that's in the group. And stay tuned to four more great weeks coming up. Very hot new episodes with top people in their niches. So we're going to really get into the next phase of this podcast and this investment journey. I love it.
0: So a uh, big shout out right now to some of the people who have left reviews. I'll go ahead and read uh, one or two of them. And Sam, I don't know if you can see your Skype chat window, but I just sent a screenshot uh, of two that you can, you can read out on air. But first off, from P Tracy33, five stars. Great work, gentlemen. Great content and perspectives on investing. Looking forward to future episodes. We also have U.S. China traveler gave us five stars. My new favorite podcasts entertaining and educational if you like planet money or startup you will love this and big shout out to the guys at planet money because that's actually one of my favorite podcasts uh if you guys do like um you know if you want to check out more podcasts about money uh planet money and freakonomics are two of actually my my favorite podcasts to just listen to so uh, ours is a little bit more long form and this is more of our personal journey but those are great podcasts to check out
1: all right. And thanks for sending me the two longest reviews, Johnny, for me to read. <laughs> so the top one is from Mario. He says, this podcast mixes just enough entertainment and information. Sam and Johnny really try to explain a lot about new age investment strategies that, quite frankly, are not talked about by your everyday financial advisors since they can't collect a commission on them. Keep the good information coming. And I'm just going to give you a snippet of the new one because it's literally uh, two paragraphs long. But it's from Yee 88 And she writes, I'm saying she, it might be a he, but uh, they write, I've been following Johnny's journey for a long time and very excited to begin listening to his and Sam's new podcast. Uh, Let's just leave it at that because otherwise it's going to take three minutes to finish it. But thank you both for your reviews. They help out a lot. And Feel free to write us with advice on how you think that we can improve the content and again, who you think we should have on the show and topics we should cover.
0: I love it. And before we go, let's actually give out another $25 Amazon gift card. So if you guys uh, haven't heard already, we've actually given away two already. Trevor Ferner was the first and Paul Lipsky uh, was the second. But this week we have Corey C., Thank you so much for taking the time to leave a review and also to send in a screenshot of uh, your review so we you know, have an email address to be able to put you into the drawing. If you guys have left a review already and you haven't taken the time to send a screenshot, please do. Just, just take a quick screenshot of your review. Send it to hello at investlikeaboss.com and that way we can put it into the drawings. But Corey said, solid investing for bosses. Five stars. I really like this podcast because it is so unique. It doesn't just teach you how to make money like most other podcasts out there. This one really tells you how to multiply it. Not just how to get money, but how to keep it and diversify it. His favorite episode so far was the one, was episode four regarding the annuities. He got some raw material and great tips from that one. Stan really trimmed the fat and got to the point of risk versus reward. Personally, he has an investment portfolio mainly in private equity and wealth front index funds. Uh, he doesn't love money, but he loves the freedom and time it takes to make it possible as a vessel. Five-star podcast, real guys, real actionable information. Invest like a boss.
1: That's great. And Corey, you're getting $25 on Amazon. And if you're not already, please get in the lounge and share some of these these, uh, investment, the private equity stuff and the wealth front. We'd love to collaborate on your journey as well. I love it. So thanks again,
0: everyone, and see you all next week. Peace out.
1: See ya. Thanks for listening to the
0: Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If
1: you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.